Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Welcome to my ultimate year, the comic book reading club, where we're going through all of the multi-multimate, all the of multi-pit? the multimate the multi-pit? universe, the, the multi-multimate universe. Doctor Strange it's... in the multi-pit of madness. Mm, malted, right? malted milk balls. Ooh, That's a what malted we're here to talk... pit, like That's a we're here like a little, um, like a hard chocolate candy, maybe in the middle of your mm-hmm. shake. Yep, exactly. What yeah. is malted mean, Dave? Wouldn't it be uh, malted? You've never yeah. had a malted before? No, I mean, I like a malted milk ball. Yeah, I've had that. Malted milk ball. Yeah, mean? I mean, it's just like a style. Well, I mean, you could have like a malted shake, too. Yeah, right? but what does that mean? What does that word mean? What does it mean? Uh, it's yeah. similar to a milkshake, but it's got like, I think it's like a powder. No, I know, but what it like to malt something? What does that mean? Oh, I malted it. <laughs> oh, oh, dang, I malted it again. I, this is, this <laughs> is arguably the worst episode start we've ever had. <laughs> dang it, I really malted up this intro. Huh? I really malted this intro. <laughs> this is my ultimate year. We're going through all of the ultimate comics in Marvel. This is episode number 11 of 34. I figured out we're going to be going ooh until September. Hmm, is that correct? Something like August or September of 2021 is how long this show is going to be on. I really? That out the other day. Oh, that's yeah. that's uh, encouraging. I look forward to being done. <laughs> <laughs> and onward to the next project. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Add, add uh-huh. something. Yep. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that I mean, that is the appeal of the Ultimate Universe, right? It's this thing that launched in the year 2000 that you can read all of and not feel yeah. uh, terrible about. Although certainly I think like... I. I don't remember we record these once a month and I I tend to not remember really what the conversation was by a month to month <laughs> yep. but I bet a month ago I was pretty down on this I think mm-hmm. I think episode 10 I, I I don't know if you were with me but it was just kind of like just a fatigue and a boredom with kind of where things are yeah, going. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting. Well, I have this, to say, this. episode eleven. Here we are. We talk. We're going to talk some X Men, some Ultimate Nightmare, some Spider Man, and uh, an Ultimate's Annual. And I was actually way more engaged with these comics. Um, mm. what, e- even the stuff that I didn't think was good, uh, I was way more engaged in terms of some creators involved, in terms of some of the things they're trying to do. This is this is to me an interesting turning point kind of in the ultimate universe where it's like hey we're gonna we actually have to start trying some new stuff again and we have to kind of figure out what this universe is going to be because guess what it's 2005 2006 this isn't new anymore <laughs> like it's five six yeah. years old we yeah, actually yeah, have yeah. to make this um appealing now it's running into all the same problems earth 616 runs into circa yeah. 1968 69 you know, I don't think I had like a feeling of I no. I think I I was where you were in the past, where I was kind of like, all right, I think I'm ready for like a change up. Uh, you, you distinguishing yourself more, right? Like the only thing that really feels the thing is that like X Men, X Men. These feels like they feel these feel like they could just be in six one six, right? Like little 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 differences these, here and these there. These X Men comics like, we're talking about today specifically. Yeah, 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 yes, exactly. Uh, like there's this. some I, of that. There's some of that, I but mean, it's there, also doing things with characters like, we haven't seen before in a way where it's like, all right, we have this space to play with. 
Um, I guess like Mojo, but like the, the main crew, Logan, Storm, Cyclops, Jean Grey. If you're would, just would you talking, bat an eye if, no, like, even then though, stories were even then though, because they're mm. still they're just perpetually in that that different Ultimate Universe state of being a little bit younger, um, a little bit more celebrity, and uh, and ex- experimenting is the wrong word, but yeah. messing around <laughs> with them, with mucking around with the characters a little more than you might mm. otherwise do. Yeah. Okay. Like, like here's some examples. Like, just off the top of my head from these yeah, issues let's, let's today. Get into so we X-Men, read Ultimate yeah. X Men fifty four to sixty. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in terms of mucking around, one Beast is still dead. <laughs> Beast, Beast yeah. died. He's gone. Right. That's a yeah, obviously characters die in six one six, but like that's kind of a big one. Um, these issues are are playing, kind of experimenting with teasing. Like, hey, what if Colossus was gay? What if we revealed that in the Ultimate Universe? Oh we'll, we'll talk about really, the way this really this happens. That out. Yeah, because we gotta we gotta talk about that in some detail, right? Because it's yep. um yep. It, it's a thing that was done in a comic in two thousand five and two thousand six, and boy does it feel like it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and then but what are the other ones? Like just just the way characters get tossed out. Mojo, Longshot, a, a named reference to Doug Ramsey, which is actually kind of funny. Um, like uh, not I a character that, we've seen in the <laughs> Ultimate Universe. Maybe not a character we'll ever see in the Ultimate Universe, but he's really good at Jeopardy in the Ultimate uh, U. We know that Who? about him now. What? They make a joke Who about Doug Ramsey being really good at Jeopardy. Like there was one. Oh, kid, you know, Mojo's I thought that like, was a hey, Doug Ramsey ref- was no, on no, Jeopardy. No, no, I got that. that was I, fine. Therefore, Longshot can be on our uh, reality killing show. And that's I thought that good. was like a Jeopardy joke I didn't get. Like that was some Ken Jennings guy that I just didn't recognize, but I didn't even put together that that's, you know. An X Men. That's our man Cipher. Um, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's doing some stuff. I it it does really weird stuff with Rogue and Gambit in Ultimate X Men Annual mm-hmm. Number One. Um, yeah. In in what continues. So my my least favorite thing. I'll start here. My least favorite thing about the Brian mm-hmm. K Vaughn era is the focus on Rogue and Gambit. Just does absolutely nothing for me. These stories oh, yeah. are so total total busts. My favorite thing about the BKV era is just kind of like. 54 to 60, this Mojo arc story, it's not super advanced, but it's also like Vaughn putting his stamp on, hey, this is kind of free to roam with how we want to deliver some of these X-Men concepts, so let's just have fun with it. Let's just kind of do it and have fun with these stories, and it's it's actually pretty important. I agree. I agree, because this is like one of those things we keep talking about where it's like, hey, you want to put your stamp on it, make something new, right? Don't just do the same thing again. So Mojo is just a TV producer putting on, like, a Hunger Games thing, like, mutant convicts from Genosha, or he's shipping off to Krakoa to be hunted by, like, big game hunters. Boy, did my right. eyes light up when they mentioned Krakoa. Yeah, like, I know. It's like just, my, it's just I a almost, tossed off. I like, almost drooled all over my tablet. Like, it means it meant, nothing. Like, it, it means, means nothing. Yeah. It's just a name. You know, and that and that's some of what they're doing here is, like, all right, we're going to reference Genosha. And we're going to reference that as the as the mutant hating country that exists in the world, a la six one six, which we haven't gotten to mm-hmm. in the My Marvelous Year Club where we're at currently. Um, but you know, and then yeah, we're going to have Mojo, and instead of being the alien from the Mojo verse, he's just a very large albino TV producer. Like you know that that's it, which that's is fine. Change. I kind of I kind of like that. Like yeah, yeah. I, I don't fine. know. It simplifies it, and also Mojo making him thing. a part of Genosha actually makes a lot of sense. You know, because it is like okay, let's let's take the reality show fixation and yeah let's let's hunger games it let's make it extreme and let's make it mm-hmm. um what do you what's the word like clearly hate based <laughs> based on mm-hmm. oppression yeah. of mutants you know yeah i mean what doesn't make sense is then they bring in arcade and arcade is just oh, i forgot about uh, that yeah but that's Ar- the thing though is they're just, trying he's just right de- they're trying well, except the and, thing and, like, is arcade like you, you have to busts. yes right yeah because they're i mean the thing is it feels like a name drop. It feels just like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to give this character that's unrelated some importance by naming them something that you know. And it's purely just that, like, oh, I know that name. Because, I mean, Arcade, he's Deathstroke here. 
Right? He's just like a master assassin. And it's he's like, much less not... cool Deathstroke. Yeah. I know, but that, that's what he's going for. Well, you know, he's just this like right, right. hyper prepared assassin guy. And it's like that. I mean, I hate Arcade, but like that's not what Arcade is. Well, <laughs> right? like, and you don't like Arcade little, comics. Arcade I do. And the reason I do yeah. is because they're over the top and fun. And, you know, yeah. whereas this is is the opposite of that. Very it self-serious. Is take yeah. out all the fun, make it just murder. And uh, it's like, well, that's that's actually awful. <laughs> that's actually a thing that is terrible. Um, yep. So, yeah. But again, like even the because du- Mr. Sinister is one where I'm like, this to- this totally doesn't work for me. This change, I appreciate the effort, um, but it doesn't work for me. And it's like the center of the story. Therefore, the story really doesn't work for me. And it also has the impact of like, now I know they can't do this thing well in the Ultimate Universe, at least uh, unless another creator comes up and really shuffles things up, right? Whereas this story, I'm like, okay, cool. Now we have this Genosha realm. We have um, Mojo in this vein. If they want to come back to this, I don't need it anytime soon, but they can. Right, they could do another story with yeah. these with these types of characters. You get Longshot in the mix. I actually kind of like the twist with Longshot here too. Um, it's I, it's it's not something I super saw coming, and I don't know that it's the most nuanced conversation of all time. But it's like no, because it leads into that whole thing where like Bobby is just being a brat the whole time, being like, <laughs> "Evergreen, oh, we're gonna save <laughs> a murderer about Ice Man." Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, something I like about this a much more impactful. It, it calls back. To the moment in Mutant Massacre where Angel gets pinned to a wall. <laughs> I knew you'd love this. It's I knew it's it. It's genuinely it. It's the better version, right? It's like it's on a page turn. You turn yeah. the page and you see a full page spread of Angel pinned to the wall by a bunch of knives, and it's very effective in a way that that original, <laughs> the original was not in Mutant and Massacre. And he's and he's very sad boy Angel. Uh, th- like that's his character in this too. So it is kind of even yeah. More I mean, pitiful. I don't care about. Yeah, I don't care about him in the story, but I think just, like, imagery-wise, that works a lot better here. Imagery-wise, it's pretty effective, which actually does speak to the thing I like the most about these comics. Stuart Iman and, and Wade Von Grabadger on, on Art and Inks. Like, I, I love this Im- Imminent. I got it. I, I know this one. Imminent? Imminent. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yes. Imminent, begin again. Stuart Imminent and Wade I'm, Von I'm, oh, men! <laughs> and the art's awesome. This is a great artistic team. Um, they do some good, I, like, 616 I stuff, but this Ultimate Universe... I don't think I've ever... The comics look awesome. I don't think I've ever heard of Stuart Imminent before, but, like, two oh, days all before over. I read yeah. this... Well, yeah, two days before I read this, someone on Twitter wrote, like, he was doing these threads, and he wrote something like, who is the best big two artist in the last 20 years? And, like, over and over on the comments, I saw Stuart Imminent, and I was like, oh, weird, never even heard of that guy. Yeah. Reading this... Uh, I don't know if this is the war. I mean, I think this is this is very good. N- oh, it's not like earth-shattering, like, like Steranko, you know, pop art '60s, where it's like this is better than everything. But it's very good. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, very solid, stuff, strong. Yeah. It's very solid. I think it. I think it even stands out I against like something like work. the yeah. the kind of baseline ultimate, which is Mark Bagley. You know, like it's, it's yes. to me, it's like yes. this is more engaging and kinetic, and I like the character designs and kind of the expressions a yeah. bit more. The col- the coloring is really good. Coloring, coloring and Ingus. Yeah. yeah. Justin Ponsor coloring. Yeah, who um, he's gone on to, uh, he colors Miles Morales when that character debuts oh, in the cool. Ultimate U. Yeah, so yeah. good job, Justin Ponsor. Um, right, and Chris so Eliopoulos on letters while we're mentioning the whole creative team. Got to give Chris his shouts. So I, I dug the the Mojo Genosha story. Um, let's talk, I, I guess, the only, well, the only big thing to talk about probably beyond like what happened, which I don't super want to get into, is uh, is the teases that Colossus in this universe is gay. Um, do you want to go there, or do you have something else you want to talk about? Yeah, no, no, that's fine, because I, I don't have much to say. I think this was... I liked it better than the last batch of Brian K. Vaughn 
comics. Didn't love it, but like I had a fine time reading this. You know, it was like half an hour of reading some yeah, right. X Men. Well, because comics, I was right? really down on the BKV era after the last round. Like yeah, I was like, too. oh shoot, yeah. does this actually just suck? You know, I yep. love Brian K. Vaughan as a creator, but if these comics just blow, like that's gonna be a huge letdown. I've been looking forward to this. Um, mm-hmm. And these are these are fun in a way that that was nice to dig into. Um, so yeah, I so mean, the big... I, I still don't. Oh, I, I would never be like, oh yeah, great run by Brian K. Vaughan. I still no think he, like, no no. Same. Kind of seems a little juvenile in his writing. A little well, bit. Well, it's like it's he... better than Saga though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Say? I mean, it's no right? Saga, but <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I mean, Saga's no Ultimate X Men. But... BKV is, I mean, the creator in comics until until he puts down the pen. I think it's fair to say, like, base, like, the, like from twenty twenty, from twenty twenty twenty. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I can't say it. Twenty ten. Zach, I'm gonna need you what to edit out the doing? last minute of me trying to say the, the year twenty ten. <laughs> what has he been doing since uh, Saga went on hiatus? Take a vacation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, fair is enough. He just on, fair enough. Is he just on a break. Okay, he's not working other stuff. Uh, not to my knowledge. I mean, if you're looking at, um, oh, if you're looking girls. at like output per year, yeah. certainly, uh, he yeah. doesn't measure up to any number of creators. For example, like Jeff, Jeff Lemire, who Jeff, puts out seventy-five yeah. <laughs> comics a week. You know, James um, Tinian, my boy, who's putting out like sure. literally five comics a month that I'm all interested in. Sure, Love literally, literally, just more output. Yeah. No, but if you're going purely on a big name, who's going to bring in the dollars, baby? Uh, it's BKV. Yeah. It's oh, the Return yeah, of Saga. Yeah, Nothing sure. will be bigger in comic shops than the Return of Saga. He, you know, I, he reminds me of I think um, who seems like in in that same vein for me is uh, Kieran Gillen, who it's like BKV he reminds you of Kieran Gillen. He puts out a lot of stuff. Some of it I'm like immediately like, nope, not for me. Most of it I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then like occasionally he does something where I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. Like, oh, I don't. He I, just, don't he, I think BKV. No, for, BKV's batting average is insanely high. So yeah, I don't. I don't like. Why the last man? And he also like, doesn't have a wide spread of like, output compared to yeah. uh, compared to Gillen. I haven't read any of his Marvel work, so to to be fair, either of their Marvel works really. So you haven't you haven't read anything. This is the most I've just read their baseless stuff, comer- yeah. like P- well, all, their, all their indie stuff. But um, no, BKV's batting average is like crazy high. Okay, so you go X Machina. This is off the top of my head. You go X Machina, Pride Pretty of Baghdad, good. Why the Last Man. Pretty um, good. There's gotta be something else before. Oh, Runaways. Right, you get this Ultimate X Men yeah. is definitely the the low point, the low point of yeah. all of this in the two thousands. Just yes, in terms, of, even yeah, for forget sure. our opinions, just general critical acclaim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I mean, uh, I, I and then once you get the tens, now we start getting into Saga, and I'm there's probably something else in there that I'm missing. Paper Girls, um, I like Paper Girls. Paper Girls, it's very good as well. Yeah. It's crazy high yep. batting average. Yeah, yeah. I like. I don't like why quite as much as other people, but like that is you got to acknowledge it's a beyond. It's a big oh yeah, comic, no, that, you know, that's you know that. No, that's it's huge and it's way better than this. So and this is fine. Like this is okay. Um, these are fine. Anyways. These are better than his DC comics work <laughs> from oh, like okay. the late '90s into the early 2000s, which is clearly yeah. him just kind of figuring out, uh, figuring out his writing style and stuff. Yeah. But again, like that is on the BKV reading list. That makes them second from the bottom. I young, think. Oh man, <laughs> young guy too. I didn't know this, but he was like in just like Hidden Thirty when he was writing this stuff. That's that's actually pretty impressive. So he was yeah. very fresh in his career. Sure. Um, okay. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, Colossus is. I mean, he's gay. Like we're, we don't have to. It's gonna be revealed at some point. Like it's definitely. Yeah. So it's not a thing that's just been hinted at. Really here. approached in comics. I mean, this is part of the BKV run. I would say exclusively. Um, yeah. I, I don't unless you know I wasn't looking. Uh, whatever. It wasn't on my radar until this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And but it's the way it's teased is definitely 
it's got that it's very Seinfeldian not that there's anything wrong with that right in the way of approaching yeah, uh, homosexuality yeah, yeah. and queer relationships where it's yep. like it's like I'm, I'm cool with this I am I am I'm, I'm totally cool with this but all I can do is kind of joke about it <laughs> yeah, and it's Cause, as cause it has it, it has its thing of like being a little bit like of having its cake and eating it too. Eating it too. Yeah, right. Because like, I mean, it makes uh, it's also doing that thing where like, oh, some of the hints that Colossus is gay, while well, he compliments another man's boots, right? And then like twice in this run, some like vaguely homophobic like insults get tossed out. Like someone gets called fruity, uh, and someone gets called a fairy. Yeah. Right. Like right. as like, an insult not in the context just, like, of Colossus, but it's like elsewhere in the war. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's still like, yeah, it's okay for this to be, you know, still bantered around for these kind of like, it's okay. It, you know, it's like Spider-Man one by Sam Raimi, where he's just like, says to Bonesaw, like, Oh, cute outfit. Your husband get it for you. Like, yeah, yes. we, you know, mm-hmm. we, it's, it's still kind of acceptable just to like an insult is to say like, <laughs> you gay. Right. Like, yeah. so it's very much of the time. Um, so that, uh, but then at the same time, I remember it's not, reading this. It's at, not handled well and it's not handled badly. Yeah. I remember very reading down this the middle. at like 18 or so. And it actually was like kind of a big deal for me that Colossus yeah. was gay. And it was like, oh, wow. Interesting. And he does a, he does a decent job of clearly counterpointing Nightcrawler as being bigoted and homophobic. Like Nightcrawler is the homophobe. The, like straight up which makes sense right this is our character with a, a deep religious background and it also sets up like that thing where the metaphor now can extend like nightcrawler is so he is so mutant he cannot pass right he's experienced so much literal townsfolk with pitchforks chasing him but he's mm-hmm. the one now that has bigotry in another way right and it just sort of goes to show like just because you are oppressed in one way does not mean you cannot you know uh, showcase the same sort of thing towards another group Right. And it sets it up for that. Um, But yeah, to your point, like a little bit of credit where it's due in terms of trying to get that ball rolling. Because again, like who's our, where's that representation anywhere else in the ultimate universe, you know? Or in big two almost at all, you know? Almost at all. But again, like ultimate universe specifically, if we just look at this modern reinvention of the 2000s, how do you you get a modern reinvention of the Marvel universe without acknowledging uh, people of of diverse sexualities or people of color, right? Like (laughs) they, you know. That's the thing oh, that would change of right now. Peak people of color. Uh, in issue fifty-eight or fifty-nine, when we uh, bounce over to Rogue and Gambit, did you think at first that like he had recoded Rogue as as a black woman? Because this yes. like the first few panels, it's like, oh, oh, Rogue's black now, and I was like, well, I mean, she looks good. That's fine, I guess. I wonder. And then like the lighting changes, and you're like, oh no, maybe I don't. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> Um, it it didn't look it was... like the rogue that had been presented previously anywhere else in Ultimate X Men. The combination right, of yeah. art, which is is that annual by Steve Dillon too? The X Men or is no, that the Ultimates? Uh-uh. That's the Ultimates. No, it's the Ultimates. Yep. Um, but the the X Men annual, like the combination of yes. art and colors. Annual. Yeah, I mean, she looks like a character of another race. Which, like, for my money, you could have launched Rogue as that in the Ultimate Universe to begin with. Would have sure, been a great call. Yeah. Um, doing it midway through a run like accidentally <laughs> like it's it's in no way reference it's in no way intentional it just looks that way yeah right which is i guess fine i don't know i i have i have little thoughts well about is it, it though except, like, i i would actually odd. say it's not because it, that to me just feels like a mistake of the art like if it's not referenced yeah. or intentional then it's a mistake if it is intentional then why not make it a part of the story and explain I, it I guess just in that way that, like, maybe it's just a uh, different art style, right? Like, different artists come in and they reinterpret characters in different ways, and I'm kind of fine with, like, oh, Kitty Pride looks like, you know, an 18-year-old in this run, but when we did that 
one in that like hyper manga style she looked like she was 12 and like super little kitty and cartoony you know it's like i don't know i, I, I kind guess of viewed it in that i guess way. the thing though like, with ongoing incontinuity superhero comics is just there's no the the expectation that characters will have a baseline like um because I, I, it's weird because i'm defending <laughs> like i'm defending now keep characters the same race that they were started which is not where i want to be right like if if they no, launch I, the I ultimate universe saying, with like, uh wolverine is black for example i'm not up in arms about that if they cast do it intentionally aquaman sure. and kang as black men great good i'm very excited for that representation in movies i want to be super clear about that what i'm saying is if in uncanny x-men number 288 wolverine's a white guy and he has been for the last 288 issues and then in issue 289 clearly the same story he's a black man that that is a thing that if that's not like in any way explained in the story that yeah, is just kind of bewildering yeah. and that's what happens yeah. with rogue here in this issue Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I. I don't know. I don't. I don't have big thoughts about it. It's just. You uh, basically just yelled bigot in my face. Well, you did call Jason Momoa black. So. <laughs> uh. Did I say I meant Hawkman? If I said Aquaman. You said Aquaman because, and King, and I was like, Jason Momoa is not black, but I'm gonna let it go. Cool. Cool. Let me just <laughs> let me just keep talking about this so I can step in uh, more piles of mud and then throw them in my own mouth. Uh, I meant the <laughs> Hawkman and Kang casting news that came out yeah. shortly prior to our sure. <laughs> prior yeah, yeah. to our recording. But uh, okay. anywho, that's enough for me on the subject. So we, we move from that into a um, there's a one-off issue here where Xavier. I actually like that they acknowledge like the bank tellers like is it Xavier or Xavier and you know uh, that got me thinking it got me thinking because like, then I was like wait how do I say it I don't remember anymore I say Xavier but uh, Professor Charles Xavier ooh Xavier I guess I do Charles what's what's oh, correct I, when I, I feel say, like they didn't answer this question when I just he doesn't because he says you can call me Professor I guess when I say I just say Xavier or Charles Xavier. The Charles makes it X Xavier. If I'm just talking about just his last name, I say Xavier. We definitely should have looked up the um, Xavier University thing that it referenced here because their basketball team is always pretty good. And uh, apparently they had a coach who was quite upset about this. You know, I do have to say, you mentioned last time, like BKV, one of his stylistic takes is he loves dropping pop, pop culture references um, mm -hmm. or just things in and of the world. And in these issues, they really worked for me. Um, whether it was talking about just college basketball, whether it was Dazzler just dropping a bunch of like Dazzler in particular, he leans into as like, oh, she would know interesting pop culture yeah. references. Um, they work though. It's like, it actually gives, it, it almost isn't like a cheap, cheap sort of shortcut to give her characterization because it's like oh what movies is she into what music does she listen to like it actually tells you a decent amount about her um do you remember any of those i don't remember any of the any example of that but I, all i remember is the Xavier basketball stuff because like the movie stuff is like almost always over my head because i'm like i don't i don't watch movies i don't, <laughs> I don't have time for yeah, that okay um yeah, but remember. anywho i got too many comics to read uh what else do we want to say about ultimate x-men annual number one um you know what i like about this comic oh yeah i like two yeah. things yeah. one the like weird the juggernaut, juggernaut design juggernaut. Where yeah, he's yeah, got uh, an X strap over both nips across uh, the naked body, and then his helmet is very weird and different. Um, and he shows up, and uh, he he he's Rogue's true love, right? Wishes they could get back together, even though she's run away with Gambit. And the probably the best thing this comic does is it like Kill, it kills just, Gambit, like needlessly and un, like almost unexplained. Uh, kills Gambit. <laughs> like, <Yep>. It's very <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. I don't know why it needed to happen, but I'm so tired of the Ultimate Universe Gambit stories that I was like, sure, why not? Oh, yeah. At the end, I was just like, oh, good. The, the romance is over, I guess. Except now we have to deal with Rogue being like bummed out about having Gambit in her head. I, I want to um, say, too, like 
I there's Gambit and Rogue stuff that I like a lot. Like Kelly Thompson wrote um, a Rogue and Gambit, and then Mister and Mrs X mini in six one six not that long ago. Those are really good comics. Uh, there are versions of those characters that I enjoy. The Ultimate Universe has absolutely none of them. Like they're just so yeah. boring in this in this universe. Well, I that know. I mean, it's got nothing like. The stuff we read before read is literal Stockholm syndrome, right? Like he he violently kidnapped her and almost killed a bunch of civilians doing it, and then like while she was captive, you know, they fell in love or whatever. Yeah. Um. I I want to talk about uh the issue where there's a single issue where Xavier recruits Syndicate. Oh yeah. Um. In like a real sneaky way, right? There's a bank robbery where Syndicate, who's this two-headed, he's like a conjoined twin mutant who um can like put out electromagnetic pulses from his heart. Oh, and also he he's straight from uh, Preacher because Steve Dillon's doing the art, and it's an impossible not to see characters in Steve Dillon style and can, not can think, I say, oh, this is a Preacher issue. What, what do you think about Steve Dillon? Oh, I love Steve Dillon. Uh, oh, I, I love R.I.P., first off. Um, I love oh, his really? work. I didn't know that. Yeah, Steve just Dillon just a few years ago, sadly. Um, oh, I, I really like his style. It's very distinct. It is a challenge to read his work um, and not see a Preacher or Punisher comic. True, you know, true. I, I think yeah, facial preacher, facial so, distinctiveness, yeah. especially, is like oh, oh everyone kind of looks like Frank Castle. I mean, every everyone has that snarl. Everyone's lips have those like creases. Yeah, right. He just has that way of yeah. Uh, I love I love I love his designs. Um, but like it has to suit the comic. I don't know if it particularly suits this issue. Uh, it suits the ultimate one later for me, but they, it, it's fine here. But the the weird thing is like you just start seeing that Xavier is sneakily recruiting Syndicate here. Like he's taking him in and and tricking the police into thinking they killed him. So well, he's and, like, and Syndicate comes in and he's he's holding up the bank where Xavier is. Um, right, yeah. is trying to check out some money because his accounts are frozen and Professor X can't. He can't just like use his powers to control Syndicate's mind, so he kind of has to be a little sneakier, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's a good Professor X showcase in that regard because it gets it gets to show him being a little more conniving, a little more strategic, as opposed to just yeah, I can just take over everyone's mind easily. Yeah, and he and he like I I like the idea of um, Professor or, uh, Professor X having like a secret X Men group, like he has his undercover group here. Yeah, that's that cool. Starting, it's gonna come into play later. I remember this from reading the first time that like this does not just go away. Like him recruiting this guy actually comes into play later. So, um, that's all. It's I a, have it's on a good X-Men. one. It, it's a good issue though. Um, yeah, I, I do like that comic. Uh, so that's fifty eight. Oh yeah, and Lady Deathstrike is the next. What's two. that? That's right. Lady Deathstrike is the next two. I'm yeah, so fifty nine and sixty are. It's a storm goes to find Logan, who's still. Uh, hiding from the X-Men, or he's, he's run away again, and uh, we get the Ultimate Universe Lady Deathstrike. This is another example of of what I'm talking about, where BKV and the team are like, hey, let's let's muck around with X-Men history a little bit. Um, we're going to do Yuri from the original Claremont Frank Miller series. She's going to be pals with Storm, and, and Storm and Yuri have a pretty you know famous connection in that original 616 story, but then also that Yuri is going to uh, die or seemingly die and come back as Lady Deathstrike and have a vendetta against um, actually Storm, but the way she's brought back is through Weapon X, so then she inherently gets a connection to Wolverine as well. Uh, it's it's good. Like I, I don't know. It's not like amazing, but again, it's like, okay, if you're going to introduce these things in the Ultimate Universe, uh, this is a pretty smart way of doing it. It's taking elements that we are familiar with, uh, but changing them up just enough where I'm engaged with what's happening here. And I like the Storm and Wolverine relationship at this point. It's a little closer, I think, to like you're saying, closer to 616 style, Mm -hmm. you know, like where these characters are um, closer than they've been probably. Except except that they smooched and like, that sucks. I don't like them smooching. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just... just... (laughs) It's like an eight-year-old. 
No, no. Me, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's gross and like boys and girls just shouldn't kiss and it's yeah. just ugh, uh-huh. girls. Um, no, it, you know what? Mainline 616, Storm and Wolverine, smooch all you want. I'm here for it. I'll yes. watch. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Ult- ultimate one, it just I'll feels watch. worse. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> the, the ultimate version is just like, a little, you know what? Like it's still gross considering like Wolverine. I don't like ultimate and... Wolverine kissing anyone. Can we can we be clear on that? It's it's yeah. creepy when he kisses anyone in the yeah. Ultimate Universe. Yeah, it, it hasn't worked yet. All right. <laughs> Let's just keep trying. We'll see. We'll find. Yeah, we'll sure. find someone. Okay. But but you. aim a little a little like I who could he smooch at this point? Maybe Black Widow. Maybe like she seems like an adult. Oh yeah 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 Black Widow. How, how about like... an adult? Let's try that. Yeah <laughs> yeah that's all we're that's all we ask. Yeah um yeah so Lady Deathstrike is this the same like power that she has in the main line where she's got these long long like, fingers, fingers <laughs> extend out and they can be sharp but they also can like just wrap around you like cords uh they aren't they yet. aren't like full-on reed richards in her uh in her 616 debut did you have you read here. or watched full metal alchemist uh no i feel like you told me to oh it's incredible yeah you should definitely read it um it's such a good comic but there's a there's a character in that lust who has like literally the same thing but the design is much cooler she pulls it off better but it's the same thing just kind of long pointy fingers that kind of extend out and can be blades or whatever um all right so that's it for x this has been about... zach lust and for lust a new segment we're going to run out every Ooh. my full ultimate me- year no i'm sorry in in full metal alchemist my heart belongs to hawkeye, hawkeye. there's a there's a there's a hawkeye in full metal alchemist that is there a hawkeye likes. in full metal jacket no, but That'd there's one in MASH. Over. There's a lot of right? Hawkeyes. Yeah. I've been thinking about... I was just thinking about Alan Alda and MASH today, because someone mentioned Hawkeye, and that was weirdly the first Hawkeye that popped in my head. Oh, I don't think that's atypical. I don't yeah. think that's super atypical at all. Um, So, yeah, that's going to do it for X-Men for this conversation. Uh, Next up... Hey, can we do Ultimate Spider-Man in, like, 12 seconds? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a... a it's fine. You know what to expect. Peter's, Peter's kind of losing it in a way that I think is generally okay maybe hasn't been built up to well and he's totally losing it because uh lest we forget when died uh, very recently right that's a big part of yeah. his emotional state and he's terrified that mary jane is going to get killed also like and and he's taking this out that he's mad at her for not being smart enough right and to be fair she does or for some listening stuff to him when he's here. like hey run and she's like why though and he's like, because I'm Spider-Man and I get attacked all the time. I feel like, like he has There's a, a green goblin right there throwing fire at you. And she's just like, okay, sure. Yeah, I'm going to run. Why? Yeah. Like, he's, he's a jerk uh, about it, but it's also like, yes. I get where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of that, like, teenagers don't communicate well. He's not communicating well. Um, yeah, it's sad. It, like, it works out here. He dumps her. It's a little bit of a bummer. Um, you know, it doesn't... I don't cry every time, but I, uh, I thought it worked overall. One out of Although, every two. One out of every two. We do get the return here of Harry Osborn comes back, yeah. and he uh, turns into our Hobgoblin. I yeah. do like Harry as the Hobgoblin of the Ultimate Universe instead of the 616 version of him becoming this sort of, like, wannabe Green Goblin and then the Hobgoblin being an endless mystery of who is this character. I think I actually prefer yeah. the streamlined Ultimate oh, version Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always thought that Harry was just always the Hobgoblin. I think because of this, because of this yeah. and Spider-Man 3 convinced me, like had it in my head. I think if you that, take like, the 616 designs with the Ultimate Universe story, you have the perfect Goblin mashup. Instead of, like we literally instead just of read the reveal <laughs> of who the Hobgoblin is and I already forget. Oh no, okay, I remember, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah not not too impactful. Um, the uh, And then there's a the whole Doctor Strange thing, he's got two two Doctor Strange issues here that are kind of fun. 
Yeah. Um, I, and that, I like well, that's like good. Ultimate Spider-Man, I think at worst, kind of fun. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like it's all, again, that Bendis Bagley baseline is quite high. I, I do think though, it's definitely a book where I'm like, and I've talked about this, where like I would have had it crazy high in terms of books that got me into superhero comics and, and things that yeah. I just, but now it's like, okay, but it's like, yeah, but I, I'm not engaged reading seven issues of this again, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a decade later, yeah, you know, it just you. does not yeah. have the same kick, I think, which is fair. Like this is, this is a reading journey and kind of a thing that any, any person, and we see this a lot in comics right now, especially it's like any person who lets their taste in art evolve with them as a person will kind of go through this, you know, where it's like thing, mm-hmm. yes, things that sure. you loved when you're 21, you don't necessarily love them as much when you're thirties. Don't necessarily, you know, same when you're forties, maybe you come back around and do love them as much. I don't know. Right. But people's tastes evolve. And to me, the key thing is just like not to look back and just be like, no, this was great. I love it. It was perfect then, and I'm. It, that's the way yeah. everything should be, right? That desperate nostalgia is uh, is dangerous, and and just like <laughs> this is a, uh, a very specific subtweet Dave is doing for uh, <laughs> in reference to to some Twitter ongoings with Rob Liefeld. I, listen, I haven't been on Twitter lately. I I couldn't mm. tell you what you're talking about. I think you're <laughs> robbing me of my ability to make a point, right? Yep. You are really robbing no, me I... of that right now. <laughs> the robbing you of Yeah, you are the robbing me of my ability to make <laughs> this point the way I want to be making it. And I felt like you were kind of stepping <laughs> on my toes there. <laughs> okay. Pretty good. I was wondering how you were going to integrate that in. Yeah, it's true. Um, the, the, uh, the, the only thing I want to say is, uh, like, Brian Mike, Michael Bendis's banter, you know, his little pitter-patter, sometimes drives me insane, sometimes make a comic unreadable to me. Uh, generally not that here. I think it works in Spider-Man yeah. okay. It's usually not... I don't like, know if he's tightening at, up at all. Uh, it, you yeah, know? I don't know. It, it's, it's usually not, like, an active... A part that actually makes me enjoy the comic more usually once in a while though he just gets the perfect little joke and it really gets me yeah so like here jjj and um ben um what's his name Yurik. not ben uh, yeah ben yurik are um are talking about like uh, ben saying he's got the story and jjj is trying to pull him off of it and ben's like no i need more time it's a complicated story and jjj goes your brain is a complicated story <laughs> like that, that joke really got me yeah. uh, and you know like it does help that it uh, he has that like quick back and forth because like you almost get the the di- the timing of the dialogue it feels kind of like right. a, a screwball comedy you know like pitter patter so um, that does the, seem the like thing the trickiest thing with Bendis is figuring filler. out when to roll that out you know is like the pacing yeah, instead of, of, always, of when do I right. have these types of conversations because when it yeah. is every page it becomes very tedious yeah um, it's but, uh, but obviously yeah. we talk that to death so yeah. all right. That's Ultimate Spider-Man this round. Um, if you're digging it, again, too, like, if you're reading it for the first time, I hope you're having a much more enjoyable experience the way I did when I read it the first time, but I, I mm-hmm. just cannot possibly talk about it in those terms um, at this point, you know? It's just, it's kind of been too long. It is a sort of book, too. It's like, it's easy to take for granted just that baseline level of quality, you know? Because oh, you know what I was thinking? Huge I, things. I, I, yeah, I, well, I was thinking reading it this time, what would your experience be like reading this month to month? I think it would be a little disappointing like these are pretty slim issues right they literally take is there anything si- is there anything in the ultimate universe that doesn't read better as a binge i mean they i think they all read way the ulti- better as a binge the ultimates maybe maybe the ultimates yeah maybe I, maybe uh, yeah yeah the ultimates in like i mean it's still maybe. still better but not quite so drastically maybe yeah I, I i think reading the ultimates month to month would be satisfying but i think reading ultimate spider-man month to month would be kind of a, a downer um, well, I think it'd be disappointing too, because it's like it, 
it is hyper decompressed, you know, in the yeah. way that, you know, it's written for the trade, like deliberately in a way that was calculated at this point in Marvel history, mm-hmm. you know, like they're which, figuring which I out, like this is how we can read make more money. Yeah, right. Which I like reading them all at once. Like, it, you know, it works this way, but like reading it month to month, I can see Root being really bummed up by that. Um, that's a, that's okay, a really so interesting question. I, that actually sounds kind of terrible, but I wasn't doing it. And maybe if you're in the moment and caught up in the wave of seeing this universe built, maybe it's a little more exciting. Maybe that yeah, actually I just, I, doesn't I, hit. It feels like a comic that I would be like, uh, yeah, I'll catch up with this later. You know, I'll catch this in the trade. Like, I mean, one thing I'll that, say about the Ultimate Universe stories, though, for the trade is like, if you read the first issue and you jump to the last issue of the story and you read the recap page, you're good. Like you, mm-hmm. like at least I am, I'm good. Like I got it, you know? And yeah. if it's a story I'm not engaged with, that's what I'm going to do. Because then there's four issues in the middle that just, they fluff out what you, what is the start and the end of the story. Um, which I, I would say is, I'm saying that as a, a big criticism that not enough is happening uniquely in between those points in each issue yeah yeah Yeah. i hear you um all right so let's let's talk about ultimate nightmare number one this is the beginning of a three-part trilogy of like a i wouldn't say a crossover event but this is like a big event thing right i mean like it's it's a crossover in the sense that um the ultimate it's an event i mean it's crossover in the sense that the ultimate universe is is crossing over we get the ultimates and the x-men all in a story not leaking fury and shield and all that stuff we get introductions of characters it's it's um Ultimate War, I guess, was the previous example that was yes. trying yep. something similar. Ultimate um, Six, yeah. This is the biggest one, though, uh, yep. because, so it, this because is we be, haven't had a trilogy before. This will be three miniseries, Ultimate Nightmare, Ultimate Secret, Ultimate Extinction. We're going to read one each for episode 11, 12, 13. Um, and the plot here, uh, this is a weird one. This feels, God, does this feel like it could be two issues instead of five? Um because it's Th- really that like, was my biggest knock on this when I read it the first time was yeah. so little happens from issue yep. to issue. There's there's not – the problem with it being a trilogy is you actually tell about five issues of story <laughs> like overall. So it could have just been one series to begin with. This is where that yeah. hyper decompression really comes and kind of bites you, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like this actually is not in any way more enjoyable to sit – and let these things linger because I actually kind of want to see what happens if anything's going to happen, you know? Um, so this is written this by is, Warren Ellis. We got art by Trevor yeah. Harrison, inks by Simon Colby and colors by Frank Diamata. Um, it's fine. It's all set up is the other problem. I mean, ultimate nightmare yes. is all mm-hmm. a, the kind of event that I think winds up being my least favorite event is the one that gets, Oh, it's a big one, baby. Ultimates X-Men. Everybody's getting together to get to the next event. That's what mm-hmm. we're really yes. here to do, and that's right. what Ultimate yep. Nightmare is. It's just trying to get you to, um, and you know, spoilers. Forty-two minutes into this episode, but uh, the coming of Galactus, which is spelled which, very. Uh, do you think that's cool? Because I <laughs> <No>. don't. <laughs> I didn't think it was cool then. I I would say, and we'll talk about this when we get there. You know, formally, but um, I actually probably like Ultimate Universe Galactus. No, this isn't true. I was gonna say I like it even less than Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. That's not true. Um, that would be hyperbolic, but it's a similar sort of like, hey, let's do it different. And uh, oh, I, it, it falls you know what? Back. I I like the actual payoff of this, or like yeah, the concept sure. of this. We'll, we'll get to it later, but um, I, I like how they they do. That's not here because it's yeah. So the it's it's this thing where like there's a signal being sent out worldwide, sending out like the death memories of these planets. Like their planets are cracking in two. It's you know planet planet wide genocide. The last dying memories of these these species right and it's like on people's phones and it's on people's tvs and people are like committing suicide over it like the world is in a panic they um 
they isolate the signal to Tunguska, Russia. So b- before you and, get to that, I will say, I think the panic is sold pretty well. Um, it yeah. reminded me a oh, little, yeah. it kind of had like, like three body vibes, the the book we read in our My Mother Shoot mm, Book Club, mm-hmm. um, just yeah. in the sense of like that sure. kind of alien fear. Uh, it's also weirdly like, so Trevor Harrison does the art on Deceased, and it's also got major Deceased vibes, even though obviously this is much earlier than that DC Comics work that good, is a little more good recent. Good art. I'm yeah, I'm into I'm into Trevor Hairstein's art here. Yeah. I think without his uh, his art, I'd be pretty bored. But I do. If you take you know you take the original coming of Galactus, and there's like fire in the sky, and there's kind of these scary things, and those don't really get sold in terms of like, well, what would that be like? You know, unless you read like Marvels, like the '94 Kurt Busiek Alex Ross thing. Um, but in this book, they kind of do. So that modernization of like, hey, how would you scare the heck out of everyone to warn them about what's coming? I think that actually hits. So I would say that's mm-hmm. done pretty effectively. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The thing is that, like, then the rest of this comic is like, oh, man, what could that signal be? What is yeah. it? And at the end, it's like, it's Galactus. And it's like, well, we, we've all Well, we've all it's not Galactus. We... It's a rundown, broken vision. No, no, but I'm saying that, like, the reveal at the end of this is that, like, the coming of Galactus is about to happen. And it's like, yeah, I know that from page four of right, issue one. Right, right, right. Like, there's, there's not a... It's five issues of a mystery of, like, what are we going to find here? And then... You get to the end, and it's what it, everyone knows it's going to be. It's it's pretty underwhelming. I wonder. Um, I do wonder if in the moment, if this hit like a mystery, because I remember picking this up and just somehow, like, yeah, whether it's just from the context of the way the story opens or what, but I just like pretty immediately knew, like, oh, it's going to be the Galactus story. Oh, of you course. Know? I mean, it's if you've read, if you know anything about Galactus, this is so. I mean, they they show literal things of like planets being cracked in half, you know, and like, and it's like eater of worlds or like disruptor of worlds came for us, something like that. You know, it's. it's I very thought maybe clear. it was a stilt man story. I thought maybe it was going to be ultimate stilt man. <laughs> stilt man <laughs> we cracked our, our world in two like an egg and and drank the yolk raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, you're right. It so, is. It's yeah, like the, why are we why are we setting this up like a mystery? Um, in five issues, and, and then for that matter. and it's a whole thing where like the the X Men and the Ultimates break into this so this old Soviet base from the 1940s, and uh, and they're both like coming in from different different directions, and it's this like abandoned complex where uh, what happens is that like Tunguska, which is a real. Um, like meteor crash site yeah um that like completely wiped out like 20 square miles of forest back in the 20s i think um i think it is dated in here i want to say it was 1927 that's my guess 1908 okay good guess to event i thought so too i thought it was the 20s um and uh in the soviet base is like there what it is it's that vision landed there and so they slowly started peeling him apart and use grafting his pieces onto different people trying to create their own super soldier so we get like the ultimate version of the red guardian here which yeah. i don't know anything about the red guardian it's fine it's kind of a name drop he's got a, yep. <laughs> he's got a shield made of human flesh which is kind of gross that uh-huh. immediately I, I actually like the detail that like he swings it at captain america and it immediately just like shatters to pieces because of course it would it's totally <laughs> it's gross and useless <laughs> right um and then uh, ultimate unicorn who uh Oh yeah, is here, which is which is very funny because he's just what like an old Iron Man villain. Yeah, who's uh-huh. so doofy, but he, you know, it's a good way of like I I, I like that like taking some really dumb D tier Silver Age villain and just using them as a throwaway in some gross yeah. way here. Right. Uh, some of the designs are fun. There's like some of the monsters down here I like. There's a really cool moment that's very like Hellboy ish, where like ten enormous arms just burst out of the ground. These like big twenty foot long arms, mm-hmm. um, and 
And you don't see anything more of whatever this creature is. That's fun, but that's kind of it. Why is this vision and not Silver Surfer? <laughs> Where's the Silver Surfer? Yeah, um, that's a fair question. Um, I mean, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna find that out in the Ultimate Vision one shot coming up uh, next time, I bet. But yeah, I mean, okay. it's kind of yeah. I don't know. It's just a way of getting to Galactus, and it's yeah. uh, it's kind of a letdown. It's I, yeah, again, like to your point, I mean, this could have been one good one shot, and instead, it's mm-hmm. a five issue event. I think, and that's yeah. not great. You, you know what's strange? It's just, like, Ellis can be good at this, too. Like, um, Planetary, right? Like, Planetary is all about, like, hey, here's tropes. Here's, like, some set-in-stone, firm, like, foundational works, and I'm going to play with them and find, like, really fun, new, interesting twists on them. Yeah. Right? And, like, instead here, it's, I don't know, if it just feels really uninspired. Well, and I, I do, don't think he's. I do like the yeah. idea of making Galactus a Ultimates Marvel Universe story. That's how it should be in this universe. Like it doesn't make sense in the same way as a Fantastic Four story because the Fantastic yeah. Four of the Ultimate Verse aren't the center of the universe the way the Ultimates are here. So that and yeah. like the way Shield, like Shield, should be the one identifying and then figuring out a response to. And obviously the X Men are involved here because they're the X Men. Um, mm-hmm. But that general approach makes sense. But yeah, to your point, beyond that. It's not a super engaging modernization or recreation of the Galactus threat, um, at least at this point. I mean, I think, like, if you're going to make Ultimate Nightmare its own five-issue thing, then in some ways, like, that should be about the battle with the Vision, then, or the battle with the Secret Surf or the Silver Surfer, you know? Like, there should be a focus and a threat that is specific as opposed to what you said, the mystery that isn't a mystery at all. I mean, the hook yeah. of this has yeah, to be yeah. mystery and it doesn't exist. So as a result, the book is completely hookless and it's all just kind of prelude to something bigger coming, which and again, like it, it doesn't hook you into caring. Yeah. And even if it wasn't just kind of the mystery, it's just like, well, I don't know, just the creativity that pop isn't there. You know, there's no like planetary, there's, you know, a multi-dimensional snowflake a hook. Uh, yeah. Some right, some big no... idea that is like, oh, that's really cool. I can sink my teeth into that idea. And and, the, and that's what the Ultimate Universe is also just like. It's so ripe for that, like, that kind of meta thing, too, right? Like, there's so much room to play with the, like, hey, everyone knows these tropes and these stories. Like, right. let's get, you know, like, comment on the stories with the stories, right? Like, talk about the modern context of these stories. Try to, you know, with, while telling these stories. And I think Warren Ellis is shown he's been capable of stuff like that it's just it's not here yeah no no all right so that, is, that ends uh, it's a disappointment uh speaking ultimate. of things that have ideas to sink into uh we got a mark miller comic oh, that's a better <laughs> always ideas better to sink into ultimate's annual number one uh it's mark miller it's steve dillon penciling and inking he's back with colors by paul mounts uh good good pairing the two of them it is because well, like, and you know what though the whole time i'm like this book Garth feels Ennis. like the boys you know, it feels like it feels like a Garth Ennis comic <laughs> in the way that Miller and Ennis yeah. kind of share some d- some cynical DNA, some cynical yeah. comics yeah, yeah, DNA, that, like, and the Dylan pairing just, cements that totally. Yeah, yeah, it really it really leans into that. Where I was just like, I you kind of feel like you're reading a, a preacher issue, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like in a way of like the writing backs it up in a way that the X Men issue did not have. Yeah, because um, it's just like it's just got a little bit of that like I'm 13 and this is rude, <laughs> like yes, kind of vibe, but but in a way that like. That preacher usually works for me. Like preacher, preacher has that kind preacher of preacher like, builds up to sort of work, like to mostly working. I would say, but it it yeah, does pre- have oh, to. Preach, it takes like ten issues to earn me. that sort of respect. Yeah. 
for me yeah, at least. Pre- as preacher, a preacher like threads the needle ninety percent of the time for me, with like some exceptions. Like Arseface. I mean, Arseface is never as funny right. as they think he is to me. <laughs> right? right. Like a big um, a big part of preacher is hey, this guy's face looks like a butt. That's a running gag for the whole thing. And if that sounds really dumb to you, it's really dumb. But somehow I mean, it's in this comic that is kind of sometime, incredible. S- sometimes he's okay. Sometimes that character works. And then sometimes they have two full issues dedicated to him. And you're just like, wow, this is not as interesting as you think it is. Yeah, uh, sure. Anyway, yeah. There's so nothing. Steve, Steve Dillon's. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, there's nothing in this annual that um, is too egregious. In the in the gross out or in the cynicism factor, no, no, I don't. Um, but it's got that tenor. It's it's got that like, hey, we're gonna make a lot of uh, wheelchair jokes at this guy. This guy in a wheelchair is expensive. One, one of that's the, gonna be real funny. One of those made me je- laugh though. With so I, I can't remember. It's like one. It's this small time superhero team and the well, they're the they're calling themselves the defenders. So like, that, oh, is that what it is? So that's kind of one <laughs> of the things about this this book is the general premise is. Who are the reserve ultimates? Which is yeah. a very interesting idea, actually. Like, conceptually, again, it's Miller tapping into something. Cool concept, very limited execution. And one of the versions of reserve ultimates is this, like, defenders team where it's like, it, it winds up playing like a group of just kind of odd individuals in their own, in some, in Nighthawk's living room in this, in this yes. example, right? Like, they're clearly yeah. nowhere near the level of the ultimates right you know, they're, but they're calling they're, themselves the defender yeah yeah i mean they, they all look ridiculous and steve dylan's art does a lot for this like everyone just looks no one looks cool in steve dylan's art like he right. can sell a lame valkyrie which um valkyrie's quite cool but in but yeah. in his rendition it's just like a very thin woman wearing very revealing like like she's not like drop dead like oh look at this bombshell you know she's just like a very normal looking woman who looks like she might have some issues of her own <laughs> you know like that's kind of how dylan sells like her under what's the word like her her lack of threat i suppose yes right yeah um yeah so the nighthawk like introduces their new teammate who's in a wheelchair the whiz kid the whiz kid and he like yeah, he, he hypes him up. He's, like, very nice, and he's just like, he's got, you know, great powers. He's going to make a damn fine roommate, or roommate teammate. And uh, <laughs> If it was roommate, this would be a much I mean, that's also issue. probably true in this. Yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> it, you know, it, I think he does a good job of, like, parodying the guy being, like, you know, kind of a, a tone-deaf, you know, like, liberal type of just, like, well, I want you to treat him like everybody else. Uh, he says, I expect to play a full part in their adventures, doesn't want to be treated any differently just because of his horrific situation. And the guy's like, what do you mean horrific situation? And he's like, well, you know, being a poor little wheel fellow and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, isn't like the funniest joke, but then that catches on. <laughs> and uh, and then some guys later like, Spin Magazine wants to talk about me? Man, wait till they find out we've got a little wheel fellow too. And just the repeated use of little wheel fellow that that has become <laughs> like... The, the catch term and this guy is just like getting more and more irritated with <laughs> yeah. that this stupid it's not even that offensive it's just like this really dumb term that's the kind of like that when they thread that needle for me where like he's not really even punching down he's just like pointing at this absurdity and also more making fun of the idiots saying stuff than like actually you know well and that's and that's I, leaning into what the boys can do well um when it when it actually functions as a comic and now functions incredibly well as a show is like hey superheroes they can be a bunch of arrogant idiots and that's that's kind of what this taps into in a way that the ultimate universe hasn't necessarily like we've definitely gotten the arrogant part and we've definitely gotten the big jerk but this is more just like yeah but also what if they were doofy and just kind of dweebs um but i the problems that i have with this issue is it's all over the place i think at 
if you remember anything from this issue and like basically as I'm talking about it, what I remember is it's a Nick Fury is a badass and we want to sell that comic. But the concept <laughs> throughout the issue is like, who are the backup ultimates? And that question doesn't really get answered in any interesting or meaningful way. Yeah, well, they they go into it a little bit. Like, they have a cool montage of, like, we've got a bunch of... There's a bunch of uh, giant men, right? We've got a bunch more Iron Men. We're creating another super soldier. He exists, right? This concept rules. This concept is, like, you're all products of scientific advancements. There's no reason Hank Pym should be the only giant man. Right, yeah, do it again. Yeah, you're right. It does feel like... This actually feels like it could just be six issues, right? And, you know, there's discussions of, like, Nick Fury's just starting another Cold War, um... And that's bad, right? Like, that's... But then the comic... I don't know. It's weird. It's like, does Mark Millar think... I I don't know. Does he want, like, strong nuclear power, right? Does he think, like, might makes right? Because I'm not really sure where this comic lands on that. Does it matter? I mean, I I don't know. Does it matter? I guess that's... I would actually say that's something he does well, where, like, I don't... I don't need to or really want to know what he thinks. Um, it's, It's laying out it's laying out a metaphor and concepts in this story that can allow you to think sure. about that and then determine that for yourself, right? That's true. I, I guess I will just say if the ultimate universe does not go in the direction that Nick Fury really breaks bad at some point, I will be disappointed. Yeah. It is so right. clearly leading into like, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. He is playing with fire. He is, you know, like it, it's it's doing a good job if it's intentionally doing that and going to lead somewhere of doing that thing of like, oh, hey, all your worst enemies and villains and catastrophes, they're a byproduct of you like doing this, right? Like you're snowballing this with your response, right? Like, right. Um, you know, just like uh, the arms race. So. And I, I do actually um, think like the the complications of Nick Fury's approach to mm-hmm. security, I, I think get advanced in the ultimate universe in a way that like we can't really see them advance in um 616 or at least we haven't necessarily until the ultimate universe kind of pushes the character in this direction where it's like he is security over absolutely everything you know like there is no question of quote-unquote morality with him it's just what is the thing we do so that we have power so is it test out dozens of individuals with a super soldier formula that we know will most likely kill them just in case we need a backup captain america one day yeah he's going to do that right so like effectively committing murder of volunteers yes and of soldiers yes but he knows what he's doing right Mm -hmm. they say it's like the 17th time or something like that the character we see here um we also see him in spider-man not even these issues uh he's um you know he's supposed to be in charge of harry osborne somehow harry turns into the hobgoblin on his watch, right? It's like that's a thing that gets out of his oh, control. Oh yeah, Spider Man. Spider Man slugs him, and it's Spider Man slugs him. And his response is, "We need to take away Spider Man's powers." Right? Yeah, it's just like anything he can't control, he will manipulate and overpower. Um, and it's again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's got that kind of Samuel L. Jackson badass flavor, but taken even further, you know, because Samuel L. Jackson, even the tough guy thing in like the MCU, for example, he's mm-hmm. never quite so domineering as he is in the ultimate like ultimate universe nick fury feels like he's actually in control of everything because he will do these unthinkable things whereas mcu sam jackson is kind of along for the ride yeah 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 i uh i i like i i guess i will just be disappointed if like the ultimate universe ends still on a note of like and he did what he had to to protect us all like because yeah sometimes, I hear, it, I hear lean, sometimes it leans more in that direction of like yep he has to do you know he, he's that guy out there doing what he does so that we can sleep at night and then sometimes it's like no the like the problems are caused by him anyway well yeah, and I, I, think, I do uh, think to your point about what does millar think about that like 
he's definitely leaning into yeah nick fury's cool as hell here because like the hook of this too is like there's an assassin out to get him he's this like yeah. no mr Nix. he's like one of the top assassins ever and the final scene of this is him lining up to shoot nick fury with a an impossible gun and lo and behold when he looks through a scope nick fury's the one who hired him he's waiting back and fury kills him and that's a yep. very like look at this cool guy he had a plan and a gun you know so it's they definitely think this character is pretty pretty dope yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that 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 is kind of what I. I guess I don't really care what Mark Millar thinks. I guess I just care what the the comic is trying to like. If it is just pushing, like, yeah, this is cool. It's cool and good to <laughs> to amplify an arms race. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think, although, like, I, to your point about this being, being five had, issues, I I think I'd actually like if you if you fleshed out Miller and Dylan's five issues backup ultimate series instead of ultimate yeah. nightmare that to me is actually more interesting oh questions. yeah oh yeah because I, I this is probably my favorite thing i read because i just think like the ideas here were big the ideas I, were i fun, liked x-men fresh, more like, um but this was yeah. engaging and this is what i'm talking about when i came into this where i'm like oh this issue is very engaging i, I don't love it i don't think it's like a perfect comic but there's plenty to play here and, and plenty to talk about i think whether it's executed perfectly or not at least there's ideas you know that's what yeah. i come to this for yeah 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 agreed all right, so uh, what's up next? So next will be episode 12 of My Ultimate Year. We're going to do uh-huh. Ultimate Secret and Ultimate Vision. Um, then we are going to get the second volume, or at least the start, of Ultimates. So we're coming back to the Ultimates verse. And, Ooh, uh, and somehow you have packed in here also X-Men and Fantastic Four. Why are there so many comics in the next episode? Let's that is so see, many. 5, 12, 13, 14, 18, 23. 23, 24. That's not is that, that how different. much we normally read? Yeah, we read between. Gosh, it feels like a million comics. Nobody can read that many comics. Impossible. Yeah, maybe. I challenge all of you. Try to read that many comics. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back into Ultimates, the volume two. I remember this um, being like a standout for me when I. You first remember read liking these. volume two? I remember yeah. very much not. Uh, okay, I mean it's been literally a decade since I've read them. Yeah, if not a little more. No, I'm not. So. I'm not. It, it was a genuine question. I, the, I the ideas don't the ideas in this are like I remember clearly some of the uh, the like stop the plot ideas here. Yeah. Oh, uh, two two romances that get hinged at that we should mention. Iron Man is getting married to Black Widow, which is oh, very, yeah. very fresh for you know or very unique to the Ultimate thing. I think as far as I know. Um, and then there's a little like thing where um, I think in X Men Fifty Four, Kitty Pride right. is like my boyfriend Spider Man, and everyone's like your boyfriend Spider Man. What? <laughs> right. And I was like. Oh wait! Did, should I have read Spider-Man first? And I jumped over to Spider-Man to make sure I wasn't reading them in the wrong order or something. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fine. It just, Nothing gets mentioned in Spider-Man. Quite, it's just Kitty Pryde has yet. a crush on Spider-Man, which is very cute. She has like, a poster of him on her wall, which I dig. Yep. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Um, yeah. So that's coming up next on My Ultimate Year. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find more about the show at patreon.com slash year for ways to support the podcast we do. Um, and that's how you can get more access episodes. to the reading yeah. lists where all the comics are. You can also find all the comics that are coming up next in the show notes if you want to read the My Ultimate Year along with us. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you very much for the support. Oh, um, rating us on Apple Podcast would be great. We don't have that many reviews for my ultimate year, but we've been getting some people drawn into the club, like into the My Marvelous Year Club, the kind of mainline club through um, my ultimate year. So anything you can do to, to amplify that. I think, you know, also recommend it to your friends. Jumping into the My Ultimate Year Club is a little bit easier, I'd say, than maybe jumping into My Marvelous Year. It's easier to sell these more modern comics than jumping into the 60s, maybe. So, um... Yeah, recommend it to a friend. Cool, cool. Music for my ultimate year is by by Divine Right. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him online at My Marvelous Year. And 
we will be here next time. We will be here. Episode that's, yeah, no, that's how well. we end this Smile. I think we'll both be here. I don't know. I've been trying to replace myself. We're going to uh, hit so far, stop it's not going well. on the recording, and then we're going to sit here for one month, stare at each other. Well, I, hopefully we read the comics somewhere in there, in between stares, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, we'll we, see. We we'll see how it goes. It could just night. be one month of staring if you don't hear from us. So if you don't hear from us, that's what we're doing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, uh, and, and we, we will, will see here. you ultimate year. Mm, Pretty good. Um, Ultimately, we'll see you next year. I got issues. I got issues.